and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. But godliness and contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. So don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or or be ashamed of me as a prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. Do your best to present yourself as one approved by God. Avoid godless chatter Be an instrument of noble purpose. Flee the evil desires of your youth. All scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Church, who are you pouring words of wisdom and encouragement into? These words are words from Paul to his disciple Timothy. Throughout his letters, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, we see all throughout it, The ways that Paul invested in his apprentice, in his disciple. Church, I ask you today, as we talk about what it means for us to have the relationship, an essential relationship of a Timothy in our lives, do you have a Timothy? You see, all through Scripture, Uh, We see this model of apprenticeship, this model of discipleship. We see Moses pouring into his disciple Joshua, who would then lead them into a place that Moses couldn't do, would lead them into the promised land. We saw Elijah mentoring and discipling his, his, his friend Elisha so that he might be a prophet that, uh, as scripture says, has a double portion of the blessing of God. We see Jesus mentoring his disciples, his his inner circle three, and then his bigger 12, and then a bigger 42 disciples. And he says, you will do even greater works than this. As he passes off the mantle in discipleship, we see Paul Walking from town to town, planting churches, walking alongside his mentee, 
Timothy, investing in his life, pouring into him, oftentimes leaving him in a place so that he might continue the work and pour into others and then goes on to the next. Do you have a Timothy in your life? In college, uh, I was in a fraternity. Uh, Yes, I am a frat boy. Uh, And insert any stereotype of fraternity, and yes, it existed within mine. Uh, I I was the uh, fraternity chaplain for uh, the William Jewell College chapter of Phi Gamma Delta. I was a Fiji. This was my very first calling into ministry. And there's nothing like preparing you for ministry than a, a designated driver confession booth. <laughs> oh, the things I heard. One of the organizational sayings of our fraternity chapter, it was something that was repeated over and over and over, and it was this, duplicate yourself. Duplicate yourself. This is an institutional essential. For any institution, especially one where members come and go and within four years they're out and gone and, and, and the same programs have to exist and the same heart and the same spirit and the same character has to exist. If it's going to be passed down and have long, longevity. This work of passing on the lessons that we've learned, the the heart that we have, the why behind why we do the things we do, the character. It's essential for the work of any organization to flourish. To hand something off, to duplicate yourself so that others might continue that, that spirit with new energy, with new vision, and with new life. You see, one of my greatest joys in moving into my new position as the, the missions pastor was to be able to hand off the student ministry to my Timothy. To Blake DeLacer, who I, I had been walking with in ministry for the last three, four years. To get to hand it off to someone who I knew had, had a, a similar heart and passion for students but would tackle that, that work with new vision, with new energy, with new life, in a new, with a, a different view, a different perspective and lens on the world and on student ministry. And church, he is thriving and killing it. And it's so fun to watch. This wouldn't have been nearly the transition if it hadn't been someone that I know and trust. This is crucial for us as followers of Christ. Today, we'll look at the importance of having a Timothy in our life and the difference that it can make on the world. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask your presence in this place, God, that you would mold and shape and transform us. God, that you would move us into a place of recognizing where you are, recognizing your calling in our hearts, in our, in our lives, Stepping in in boldness and faith. God, would you please be over the, the word of God as we, as we read today? 
God, would, would you move us simply by the words, by the power of the gospel? And your son's precious and holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. If you would stand for the reading of uh, 2 Timothy. We're going to start in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And then we're going to jump a couple, couple verses down into chapter 2, verse 2. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. With faith and love in Christ Jesus, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> Oftentimes we, we live our lives defined by the achievements that we've accomplished, by the trophies that we win, the promotions that we earn, the adventures that we have, the places that we've traveled, or the lack thereof. If we do not achieve, accomplish, or earn, then our lives were not enough. I used to think that, and I, I still struggle with this, but I used to think that if I could just get my own Wikipedia page, then I would have made it. Right? This concept of, of being someone is so ingrained in our culture that it consumes especially our teens. If I could just be known, if I could just be liked, maybe even loved, if I could just be insta-famous and have enough followers on my Instagram, then maybe some company would, would want to sponsor me. If I could just create the perfect YouTube page, then I'd make millions. And teens will do anything to accomplish those tasks, to accomplish that, that level of success. We put the deposit of our time in the success of the world. So church, I ask you, where are you storing your deposit? In 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14, especially in verse 14, it says, Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. He says it again in 1 Timothy. He ends his letter telling Timothy to guard the good deposit that I've entrusted in you. You see, Paul understood this concept. He looked at Timothy as an investment, as the greatest investment of his life. Not the success of, of all the things that he had done, but the people that were walking in his shadow. That was his greatest investment. All of his time, his wisdom, his knowledge, they were poured into this young man who was faithful, named Timothy. Paul saw the value of duplicating himself. 
So church, where are you storing your deposit? Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. It's not hard to do, to store your deposit in other people. It's simply what you have learned, you teach. The things that you have gained, you give. We're not created to be storehouses. We are created to be distribution centers. We are not created to be buckets. We are created to be pipes. How are you pouring out? The reality is that much of the church, the greater church, operates as a bucket. We have become great consumers of a product, of inspirational messages, or even godly wisdom. We go to Bible studies and we talk about the Bible, and we, we, we gather information and knowledge. So much is poured into us, and then it just stops. Church, this is dangerous. Do you know what happens when water sits in a bucket for a long period of time? One, it probably just evaporates, right? But two, it starts to get algae. We have this, uh, this little baby pool because... Summer was just way too hot, and the pool wasn't open in the morning, and it's still way too hot in the morning. And so we filled this baby pool up with water. And it's, a, it's like a, a big one. It's like the Costco-sized baby pool, right? And we filled it up with water, and we let it sit. And our kids played in it and had, had a blast, and then we just let it sit. A couple days later, we came back, and there's green all around the edges. It becomes toxic. When we store up all of this knowledge, when we store up all of this wisdom, all of this this understanding of the world, without an avenue to pour it out, it sits and it becomes toxic self-righteousness. Look at my full bucket. Look at all that I know. I know more than them. I would have done it better than them. And we begin to judge people for not knowing what we know, for not handling their finances the way that we would have handled our finances, for not not taking the opportunities that we would have taken, for not raising your kids this way or that way. A bucket becomes toxic. How can we expect them to know the way that they ought to do it if we don't teach them? If we're not willing to pour out, how can we expect that they know how to handle their finances? If we're not willing to pour out, how can we expect that they know how to handle the anger that they have within them? If we're not willing to pour out and, and, and give the lessons that we have learned in our lives, 
then how can we expect them to know how to raise their kids? This takes relationship. In order to be a pipe, it takes being in the ministry of presence. It takes walking alongside someone long enough that they know and understand that you love and care for them. To be able to speak into someone's life, it takes relationship. Without relationship, we cannot have Timothy's. Without relationship, we cannot be Paul's. You see, Moses got this. Moses, who, uh, who got his butt kicked last week by Jethro, he poured himself out into Joshua. Right? He saw that Joshua was faithful whenever they w- were about to go into the promised land the first time. And he sent all the spies in. All the spies came back and said, no, those guys are too big. But Joshua and one other said, no, our God is bigger. And Moses saw this young man with faith, this young man with character, this young man with passion. And he said, walk alongside me. And for the next 40 years, he invested in Joshua's life as they wandered through the desert. For the next 40 years, he poured into him. He developed him. And then he handed off the mantle of leadership to him. And they were able to go far and beyond where Moses could take them. Because Joshua was able to stand on Moses' shoulders. But, and so I want you to take just a minute. I want you to take a minute just to think about whose shoulders you're standing on. Who are the people in your life who walked alongside you in a season to mentor and disciple you? To be your Paul and you were his Timothy or her Timothy. It is dangerous to be a bucket and not a pipe. See, Joshua, Joshua was a bucket. Joshua did not duplicate himself. Joshua led the the Israelites into the promised land. They conquered, they set up shop, and they got comfortable. And they got complacent. And Joshua didn't need to pass on his legacy because they didn't have a task. They were just there. And in Judges 2, we see this, this horrifying scene. Judges 2, starting in verse 8, says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance, at Timnath Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash, after the whole generation had gathered to their ancestors, after they had died, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for them in Israel. Then the Israelite, Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them, and they aroused the Lord's anger. 
Church, one generation of buckets changed everything. One generation of people who were content with where they were, enjoying the the spoils of war, enjoying the, the goodness of what they had, didn't pour out into the next generation. And we see in one generation, they turn away from God. One generation. It's all it takes. Thanks be to God, God will still be God. Thanks be to God, God will find a way through us or in spite of us to make his name known. Amen? Amen. Amen. Church, this ought to be a wake-up call. I know that it has been for me as I studied this, this passage of Scripture. To evaluate where we are depositing our time, our energy, our wisdom, our knowledge, our gifts. How are we investing our talent? How are we investing the lessons that we've learned? There's a generation out there that needs each and every one of us to begin to pour out. That needs us to pour out what has been poured into us. This is the ministry of presence. It's the process of living life with those who we are pouring into. It is the process of walking with people in the midst of seasons of drought and darkness. It is raising them up to stand on our shoulders. It is filling their cup. It is encouraging them to take the next step. This is the process of planting seeds everywhere we go. The scripture gives us a guide as to how we do this. In the Great Commission, Jesus commands his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not expecting you just to go out and dunk a bunch of people, right? But what this calls us to do is to go and make disciples of all nations. And this is not just talking to the pastors, to the vocational ministers, to the, the people who, uh, who are somehow uh, gifted above others. Jesus is talking to all of the people who follow him. And he says, therefore go. This, this passage is better translated, this word go is better translated as you go. As you go, make disciples of all nations. As you live your life, as you go to the grocery store, make disciples of all nations. As, as you go, Nancy Pinkerton uh, was maybe the most professional Paul that I've ever met. Nancy Pinkerton uh, saw every person that she encountered as her Timothy. Uh, if, you, if you knew Nancy Pinkerton, uh, she, would al- she always had a sonic cup in her hand. That's because... Even her trips to Sonic became discipleship opportunities. At at the place that is literally designed to have as little conversation as possible, Nancy found a way to make disciples at Sonic. She got to know the the manager so well that she began to to invest and to pour into this manager and began to to pick up the manager's 10-year-old son, and bring him to church every Sunday morning 
that she'd roll in with a Diet Coke and a 10-year-old boy. And that 10-year-old boy is probably here today. You see, we don't have to be something special to go and make disciples. It looks like finding opportunities to say, you know, I was reading in the Word this morning, and it looks like intentionally asking a question to someone in conversation. It it looks like uh, really investing and saying, you know, tell me more about that. And finding windows to share faith, to pour in those lessons. Church, where are you investing your deposit? Finally, I want to close with a vision that Paul had for Timothy when it comes to discipleship. In 2 Timothy 2.2, it says this, And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul gives us uh, a, a roadmap for transforming the world. He gives us two models of, of discipleship. He gives us uh, evangelism and he gives us discipleship. And I think we need both in our world today if we want to make a difference as a church. But oftentimes, we neglect the one in lieu of the other. You see, this vision of, of multiplica- multiplication in the kingdom of God, we are called to make disciples who make disciples. The first model that we often kind of lean into is the evangelism model, where a Billy Graham or a, 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 an evangelist, a pastor, stands up in front of people And proclaims the gospel so that people might come to a saving knowledge of God. Now, let's just do some math here real quick. Anybody a math math major, math math, uh, friends of math here? Uh, That's not me, but but I think this is kind of cool. So, if if on our campus we have four, four, maybe five primary worship, we have five worship services happening pretty much right now. Right? We have our Hispanic refugio service. We have our youth worship service. We have uh, our vine worship service and our sanctuary worship service. If every Sunday, if this Sunday, the preacher, between all of the preachers, 20 people gave their lives to Christ. And every Sunday, for the rest of the year, 20 people gave their lives to Christ every single Sunday. We'd be getting awards out the wazoo on the, on the Methodist church conference level. That would, be, that would be 780 people that come to know Christ in a year. Take that number by 20 years. Let's just forecast that out 20 years. And there are 15,000 new believers. Praise be to God, Right? Now, the discipleship model, this model that, that, that uh, Paul 
displays for Timothy. He says, in things that you have, the things that you have heard, me say in the presence of many, right? You've heard me say these words to many people, right? This is Paul preaching to many people, the evangelism model. You have entrusted these words to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This is the, the idea of the pipeline. So hear this. See these, these. If I were to invest in two people for the whole year, and I were to pour into two Timothys in the whole year. And I were to do that, and those two Timothys were then in the next year to go find two, two more Timothys. And those four Timothys were to go on and find two more Timothys. You see what's happening here? The math is two to the 20th, if we, if we play that out for 20 years. In... In my downline of discipleship, there would be 1,048,576 people. And if 20 people, instead of 20 people coming to know Christ and, just, and being believers, if 20 people got caught that vision this morning and began to do that for the next 20 years, that number surpasses all of Houston. What a beautiful image for the way the message of God ought to be dispersed. It's a both and. There ought to be the evangelism model, but there ought to also be a discipleship model. Or we are investing in Timothys, in disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Church, who, who are you investing your life your love, your relationships in. When I was in student ministry, the interns would be exhausted at the end of the summer. And by the end of the summer, every year I'd remind them that the energy that you have spent in the work that you've been doing is eternal. It's not just, not just to make somebody else rich somewhere. The work that you are doing, pouring into people, is, it, is eternal energy. It will continue on for the rest of time. So if you're looking for opportunities to engage in relationships with a Timmy, Timothy, here are a couple options here in the church. Join an AHP group on Friday mornings. Come to, to Young Moms, Bible, or Moms on the Grow Bible study. And engage in a, a discipleship band group. Contact Jeremy. Engage in, in work faith and, and walk alongside someone who's gone through the program. Be a mentor as the oaks of righteousness. Engage in in in-depth prison ministry where you're going back into the prisons on a weekly basis to, to teach Bible studies and to invest and to pour into. Ask about being a, a benevolence partner to walk alongside somebody in a time of need. Teach a Sunday school. Look at being intentional disciplers of your kids or your grandkids. Ask Blake about being a, a youth small group leader. Or very simply, in about five minutes, join us in the parlor as we talk about mentoring and discipling our, our neighbors at Foster Elementary.
and engaging in relationship on a deeper level so we can pour into those students in the fall. Church, where are you investing and depositing your time and talents? Maybe today God is calling you to seek out a Timothy. Maybe today God put a name in your heart to be intentional with. Maybe today you realize that you have been a bucket for a long time and you need to pray that God will give you the opportunity or the venue to pour out. To be a distribution center of the blessings and the wealth of knowledge and wisdom that God has given you. Church, this will take time. This will require you to make it a priority. This will get messy and inconveniencing. But this is what God calls us to as the church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people did say, Amen.